When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. And what is this a podcast of? It's a podcast of happiness and wellness, amazing people, touching stories, and yes, there is medical knowledge. And today, I'm really excited about talking about this. This is not a topic that calmly occurs in conversations, but very important in society. I want to talk about the mental health of mom and dad after they deliver their precious little one. Of course, I'm a dad of three, and I'm talking about terminologies that we use, but sometimes we don't know how to define, such as baby blues, postpartum depression, just to name a few. So I needed an expert and I got one, an awesome expert. So we have Dr. Shoshana Bennett. And you know the rules, everyone. Before I introduce her, I got to read the bio. Internationally recognized as a leading maternal mental health expert, clinical psychologist Dr. Shoshana Bennett has inspired and transformed countless lives worldwide through her radio shows, books, lectures, interactive teleclasses, consultations, and videos affectionately known as Dr. Shosh. I just like saying that, by the way. She educates, engages, and empowers her audience while discussing serious and often uncomfortable topics using humor, the latest research, solution-based protocols, and firsthand knowledge she gleaned after experiencing life-threatening postpartum depression. She emerged from this personal nightmare to become a leading national advocate and pioneer in parental mental health, establishing postpartum assistance for mothers, which offers education and emotional support for mothers experiencing PPD and related disorders. Dr. Shosh also helped develop the official training curriculum for professionals and served as president of Postpartum Support International. Dr. Shosh is an executive producer of the award-winning documentary, Dark Side of the Full Moon. She is the author of Postpartum Depression for Dummies, Pregnant on Prozac, love that title, Children of the Depressed, and is co-author of Beyond the Blues, Understanding and Treating Prenatal 
and postpartum depression and anxiety. Dr. Shosh is the creator of the first PPD mobile phone app. She co-founded the Parental Action Institute to train community leaders and parent advocates. Dr. Shosh has traveled extensively throughout the U.S. and internationally as a guest lecturer and keynote speaker training medical and healthcare professionals. She is well known for her popular DrShosh.com radio show and has appeared as a guest on countless TV and radio shows, including 2020, Ricky Late, and The Doctors, which is one of my personal favorites. I did a lot of appearances on The Doctors, too, so we have a lot of overlap. All aspects of media consult, interview, and Quote her regular, including CNN, The Wall Street Journal, WebMD, NPR, Psychology Today, USA Today, Parenting, The Huffington Post, and Cosmopolitan. She has received numerous awards acknowledging and honoring her outstanding contributions and work as a mental health care advocate. Early in her career, she served as a special education teacher working with autistic and other learning challenged children. She later taught early child education, psychology, and special education for several California colleges and earned three teaching credentials, two master degrees, a PhD, and her license as a clinical psychologist. Today, she has helped more than 20,000 women worldwide through individual consultations, support groups, group workshops, and seminars. Parental mental health is her life's mission. She provides hope with compassion, personal experience, and the application of sound knowledge and research. Dr. Shosh helps her clients and colleagues understand that these disorders are completely treatable. With proper help, parents can emerge from these crises and these illnesses in charge of their life, making the best possible decisions for themselves and their families and happier than ever before. And with that being said, Dr. Shosh, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Raj. Now I have to be really good. Huh? <laughs> People are expecting <laughs> I better know what I'm talking about today. This is impressive. No, this is impressive. I got to tell you, I mean, I got a little fatigued with how many great things you've done. I had to take a couple of deep breaths, a little diaphragmatic <laughs> breathing, but I can't believe you accomplished all these things. As you read, I was a I was a special education teacher. I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing now and have been for now, gosh, almost 37 years. Uh, and my passion is just as strong now as it was then. But this, I launched into this career uh, based on personal experience. Hey, let's go way back in the time machine. Mm-hmm. And say, I mean, sure. was this your dream job? I mean, what was your major in college and you know, did it kind of lead into this or were you kind of initially going a different way? I was initially going a very different way. Yes. I, I, I majored in psychology uh, undergrad mm -hmm, and really had in mind to work somewhere in the field of special education. Starting when I was 12 years old, I worked at community, uh, various places. You know, there were, there were colleges with programs or community centers with programs. I would go from place to place offering to help those students, those participants, those kids who were either slower or had some kind of learning challenge. I was good at it and I really loved it. And so that's honestly where I thought I would end up. Now, have you worked, I'm sure the answer is yes, with a lot of autistic kids? Yes. You know, autistic kids, just they just touch my heart. And, you know, it's just amazing. And in fact, I wasn't going to go this route because it's not the me show, it's the you show, that my middle child, Aiden, he has autism. So mm-hmm. that's one thing that was really nice to hear about that and your passion about it. So there's not a lot of good teachers like you out there. So I think we lost someone because you 
change the ship a little bit, you know? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Dr. Raj, because in my current work, and I know you want to wait to get to get there and talk about that, <laughs> but often I am contacted by parents who are hit with, oh my goodness, this is a completely different journey than I thought it would be. My child has special needs, and many times it is on the spectrum. And uh, so I find that I'm, I use my initial instruction in special education often to help them cope. I love it. So let's so talk about this experience in your life, because I know it's going to lead into this question. What really motivated you to be one of the leading experts in what you do now, parental mental health, and how did that become your life mission? So what's that story that you're referring to in your bio? Well, it certainly wasn't a goal to be a leading anybody. I really just wanted to figure out what the heck had hit me uh, and my family. Uh, there wasn't any information back in the 1980s. There was nothing but criticism and judgment. I was surrounded by it. And, you know, there was no internet then. It's not like you could Google what are these, you know, what could this possibly be? So uh, I saw a, a television program one day, and the woman on the program was talking about feelings that I had had at that point on and off for years because I was hit very, very hard with postpartum OCD and all kinds of panic and uh, depression. So I had it after both of my children were very high risk. Once we have it one once to have it again, unless you have a really good strategy in place. So I'm all about, you know, a prevention. But at that time, I still hadn't had any idea uh, what had happened. So I felt at that moment, both anger at the medical profession and mental health profession. I mean, if this is so common, we're talking one in seven women oh, go through wow. something more severe than the normal baby blues. <sighs> I mean, more. this is more common than gestational diabetes. This is considered the most common complication of childbearing. Wow. So why was there such ignorance out there? So I was angry, but I was also so relieved that this might actually have a name. So I started still very, very depressed. I started to research everything I could get my hands on from all over the world, whatever had been translated into English anyway. And I realized that other countries were light years ahead of us. So that's really what launched me. I posted two flyers, one at the pediatrician's office and one at a, at a local market. I think it was a Safeway. And, and uh, just word of mouth. Remember, there was only word of mouth at that time. Right, right. I started running the first postpartum support group in the country out of my living room in Northern California. And every week, between five and 15 women would show up. Often they would come with their adult support people. And uh, and again, I was trying to recover myself, but there wasn't any other help for me uh, at yeah. the time. I, I, was, I was regarded as the expert, still suffering, but suddenly uh, hospitals were contacting, you know, can you train my staff? Can you, actually that came a little later. I when I first offered to train people, what I heard was, we don't have this problem here, Shoshana. You know, thank you anyway. But after a couple of years, I was contacted by those very same clinics and hospitals going, uh, I remember you offered <laughs> to train the staff. Can you please come and train? So I was launched uh, simply because there wasn't anybody doing it. Yeah. I mean, Jane Honickman was in Southern California. She had just started Postpartum Support International. I was founding my 
organization, but uh, there were no more than maybe four of us in the country at that time. Wow. And you know, people forget. I mean, I don't forget that. You know, I like what you said. If you want to get something out there now, do an Instagram story and do a video on TikTok. But in the 80s, it wasn't like that. If you want to get the message out there, it was hard work. That's you, right. You were doing and, meetings after meetings and making oh, your voice over and over again. That's right. You and know? I was, that's right. And I was not a clinical therapist. I was a special education teacher. So yeah. women were coming to me and saying, can you, can we go deeper, please? I want to talk yeah. about my, my own growing up. And, yeah. and, and my experience, and I couldn't practice therapy without a license. That would be a very unethical thing. Yeah, right. That's really what prompted me to go back to school okay. eventually. So I could help them go deeper because what I was giving them was valuable. It was therapeutic, yeah. but it was psychoeducation. We really couldn't, couldn't uh, move any, any further than that. And let me just say this, you know, there are, I'm sure you've encountered parents that on top of what we're going to be talking about, you know, their, their son or daughter has autism, you know, yes. and you know, that, I mean, that should be a whole separate podcast of what mom yes. and dad have to go through yes. accepting this and trying to be a good parent. And of course, talking about the kids. So I think yes. everything happens for a reason, Dr. Shosh. And I think that you have two great things in your back pocket that many health professionals don't have being able to deal with special needs kids and helping mom and dad. So I'm impressed. Well, again, it's so, it's, it's so, I can't think of a more satisfying career. I mean, just to know that what I'm doing is helping other families not suffer. I mean, when I can help launch a mom uh, or a dad, uh, a couple into a happy situation into their into their new parenting life uh whether they have a special needs child yeah. or or not yeah. um that gives me just joy it, it, absolute awesome. joy and you know at that time well, yeah. i tried to find doctors who mm -hmm. would treat you know some some of my clients needed medication clearly yeah. sure so i would call the offices I couldn't email anybody. There wasn't an email. I would yeah. call. I would cold call out of this huge, I'm dating myself big yeah. time here, out of this huge phone book. I would go to the yellow pages and go through doctor after doctor and say, yeah. hmm, who do I have a good feeling about here? And I, and then I would send articles and uh, it, everything through snail mail. I mean, yeah. it was tedious then, but I was very motivated. And, I, and I'm, I'm just kind of adding on the, the, the imagery right here with the rotary phone. You know what I'm <laughs> of course, of course. And at that point, I didn't have any any good boundaries, of course. And so my phone was ringing. For, you know, women were calling from literally all yeah. over the world. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, you know, in the middle of the night, yeah. I thought, oh, eventually I got a, I got another number on that. So when I answered that rotary phone, it wasn't in the middle That's of the funny. night. <laughs> All right. So I want to, I want to start talking about some stuff. So, yeah. okay. I really want to talk about the, the first two really common terms. If you could help differentiate them and define them. Sure. One hand is baby blues. The other hand is postpartum depression. Can you please define both and how do you distinguish them? Yes. And I will start by saying there are six perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Perinatal uh, covers the period of uh, pregnancy through about a year postpartum. Okay. Um, uh, and so whatever can happen postpartum can also happen during pregnancy. So that's why I wanted to say that first. We're concentrating nice. on postpartum depression, which is 
the most common of the six disorders. That's why we we focus on it. Normal, uh, yeah, baby blues is not considered a disorder. It, okay. it is very, it's part of normal adjustment. It doesn't feel good, but the symptom, there are the two basic ways to tell the difference between the normal baby blues and what's over the line into the disorder of postpartum depression is the severity of the symptoms. Baby blues symptoms are mild. The mild ups and downs, the teariness, the feelings of dependence, the the mild worries, you know. But 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 the woman doesn't lose her perspective. She she knows this is temporary. Generally speaking, she feels like herself. So she doesn't feel like she's lost herself. So that that's one way. The the severity of the symptoms. The other way is the duration of the symptoms. If the baby blues is still going past two weeks following delivery, we now call it postpartum depression. It might be a mild postpartum depression, but it still should, uh, she should still receive some intervention. Now you, you kind of started off by saying there's like these six perinatal mood anxiety disorders. We, now we listed two of them already, but just to close loop, what are the other ones that, and you mentioned during your opening, something about OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Can you just kind of close loop and finish off the other disorders? Sure. Yeah. So postpartum depression, uh, postpartum uh, OCD, mm-hmm. uh, postpartum panic. Uh, there's uh, certainly postpartum psychosis. That's the one that is the dangerous one, really, oh, uh, okay. uh, re- regarding uh, safety for children, et cetera. Okay. And uh, a postpartum post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh. And the last one, if yeah. I'm re- if I'm counting correctly, uh, postpartum bipolar disorder. Oh. Uh, we are at our most vulnerable during the perinatal period. So if one of these things is going to surface, it surfaces then. What are some of the signs and symptoms? Now, I want to be not as a clinician or healthcare provider. I'm just going to be bad. So let's talk to the the parents out there. So what are some signs and symptoms to watch and listen for during and and after? Can you comment about like how long they last? What do they start? All that kind of stuff in severity. Sure. Uh, During pregnancy, unless there's some other physical reason why she's lost her appetite, appetite should increase. Um, Her self-esteem should remain fine and normal. She should be able to sleep at night. I know towards the end of pregnancy, you know, (laughs) know, but, but generally speaking, other than, you know, a little bit of heartburn or, you know, discomfort Mm -hmm. with size, you know, Mm -hmm. she, she should be able to to sleep well. So that's all normal. Mm -hmm. If her self-esteem starts to drop, if she's saying, I'm not going to be a good mother, uh, or, or anybody can do this better than I can. I just got myself into trouble here. I should not, I shouldn't have done that. You know, those kinds of put downs, watch for that. If she has insomnia, if it's not a physical reason, but, but if her mind is spinning and she really can't go to sleep, she can't yeah. sleep, that is serious. She needs help. So I, I'm not being alarmist here. It's just that don't ignore that and assume just because she's pregnant, she's going to have a hard time sleeping. No, insomnia is a serious problem. I know you're a sleep person, Dr. <laughs> I, so I don't have to convince you, but that needs some intervention. Yeah, her moods generally are fine. She might have some ups and downs, but again, very, very mild. And the same postpartum, if the symptoms are severe enough to get in the way of her daily functioning, or her ability to sleep at night, mm-hmm. that's over the line. So you're again, you're listening postpartum for a mom who's saying things like, 
when you pick up the baby, honey, you know, baby stops crying, but I, I can't do it. Or baby, the baby's rejecting my milk or a ba- that's, you know, that's not a normal statement for a new mom. Yeah. Child. If she's very angry, sometimes postpartum depression, you know, if, if anybody has a stereotyped picture of what postpartum depression looks like, throw it out because often <laughs> it's more anxiety okay. than sadness. She can't relax. She can't just calm down. She can be very agitated uh, and obsessive. And sometimes she's angry. She's short-tempered. So she's she's snapping at her toddler and she's yelling at her husband when she knows he doesn't deserve it. And then she feels guilty about it. You know, So we can manifest in different ways. Certainly sleep deprivation can, can cause these things as so well. Let me, let me throw you a curveball because sure. you said to do that. So yeah. you know, this, this just sounds more and more important. And I love your analogy in the beginning, comparing it to, you know, diabetes. And, you know, of course, it's so important to screen for it and treat it. But I didn't realize how common what we're talking about. Yes. Yes. So with that being said, do doctors, healthcare providers, midwives, Mm -hmm. whoever, do they screen for it during the perinatal period to help uh, recognize it? Or are we not doing a good job at that? If they're smart and they're using the gold standard, yes, they are. And I don't mean smart intellectually. We know know there's smart people out there. But truly, if they want to provide the best care to their patients and their clients, they will absolutely be screening. And one doesn't even need a formal screening tool. I mean, I, in, in um, one of my books, the first book, uh, Beyond the Blues, there's, there's informal screening questions that you can ask. It also uh, talks about what answers you're looking for. You know, but yes, screening is very important. If you're going to screen, though, make sure you pay attention to what she said. Some because if she's well going to be honest with you, she yeah. is. She is really making herself vulnerable. And and remember, screening isn't for diagnosis. The screening, I mean, you know, you yeah. want to find out if she, even if she's fine, but she wants to talk to somebody. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the answer that was a long-winded answer. Uh, the answer is absolutely yes. More screening needs to be done. And then follow up, of course, uh, with that screening also uh, needs to happen. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So, you know, I want to make sure in my opening statement, I said this is going to be information for moms and dads. So it leads me to this question. Yes. Can postpartum depression occur in men, in dads? Yes, it can. Not due to the reproductive hormones shifting, <laughs> which is the main well etiology for, for the birth moms. Okay. Uh, but uh, yes, if the dads, and I'm using dad on purpose, and you mm-hmm. did too, I, actually, and I'm glad, mm-hmm. because that's where the research is. The research okay. is on fathers. Um, mm-hmm. Just a side note, I work with grandparents, I, all kinds of caretakers who mm-hmm. are who are raising babies, and I'm seeing an interesting, you know, very similar rate uh, as with the fathers. Um, okay. So, which is about ten percent, by the way. Okay. For, for fathers, it's about uh, one in ten. But if the if the mom is depressed, his likelihood jumps from twenty four to fifty percent. 
somewhere in there. Wow. So okay. his biggest risk factor is if she is depressed. But if he has his own history of, of depression um, or anxiety or OCD or bipolar disorder, I mean, what's the biggest stress that a, that a parent or a new parent can go through, right? right. It's no, bringing totally. a baby yep. home. Oh. Right. right. So if there's a vulnerability there, also sleep deprivation, as we started to talk about, that is one of the most yeah. under looked at factor that feeds right in. It can cause depression. So yes, dads, absolutely. Sometimes I, I'm called, by, I'm contacted by mom saying, yeah. you know, I'm really doing fine, Dr. Shosh, but I'm really worried about my boyfriend. His <laughs> The other thing is that if he doesn't get good help as she's recovering, he can plummet as she starts to get well, because often what the father's doing is holding everything together, taking care of her, taking care of baby, picking up the slack of whatever isn't being done at home. He's, he's working, you know, so he is her pillar and I am a strong believer. When I work with moms, I say a good 90% of my clientele are mothers. I always, unless there's a good reason not to, I will bring in the spouse, the significant other to make sure he is getting the support that he needs because (laughs) if he's not, it's not going to be good for my client. And now you got me all fired up because I wasn't going to throw my two cents in, but (laughs) you're right. Being the sleep doctor, I just want my hat go out to all the women out there during that perinatal period. You know, it's important to see a sleep doctor if you're not sleeping well, because obstructive sleep apnea is higher during that time period. Restless Mm -hmm. leg syndrome is higher during that time period because of iron deficiency, anemia, the insomnia, behavioral insomnia, the kids are crying, the stress. And it's just a setup. And, you know, depression and anxiety is just in, and sleep are like chicken and the eggs, you know, if you don't treat one, the other doesn't get worse and vice versa. And especially during that time with breastfeeding and being pregnant, there's really no good medical therapy. So it's tough. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that is the first area of the Dr. Shosh wellness plan that I have. (laughs) That's what I call it. There are seven steps to the Dr. Shosh wellness plan. Well, guess what's first on the list? Is it sleep? Is it? It is. Wow. That's why we're buds, man. Because we are are definitely on the same page. Sleep can make the difference between depression and no depression. That's how important it is. And uh, right. I mean, chronic sleep deprivation, as we know, lowers serotonin. These depressions are very serotonin dependent. Um, So yes, it seems to be with the new moms, um, the magic number for them just just to make sure... They can maintain at least a basic amount of serotonin in their brain. It's five hours uninterrupted, not two hours here and three hours there, but five hours straight. Obviously, when you're working on breastfeeding and just trying to establish that, you know, that's impossible. But my clients, especially if they've had postpartum depression before, they are on board getting those at minimum five hours uninterrupted at night. Daytime sleep, as we know, does not replace the brain restorative sleep at night. So, uh, man, I help them in my single moms. I make sure that, uh, you know, help them brainstorm who can come and take over and do those bottles of pumped her or formula, right? So that she can protect her brain chemistry. No, I I love it. I love that we share that passion. But I want to ask this one too. So this is going to be one where... So let's say the diagnosis is made, and I think that's a, a, the best first step is having the right diagnosis. So what should loved ones say or do or not say or do when 
a person's recovering from a postpartum depression or anxiety? Can you give me some tips there? This is supposed to be the happiest time in your life. What do you have to be depressed about? (laughs) Okay, that would be the first number one no-no. Oh, my God. Another one is, oh, yeah, that's still happening. Yeah. I mean, she's already feeling ashamed unless she's gotten good information, right? So that that is a big shame. You know, that's I, I was surrounded by that. I would, absolutely. That's, that's what I heard. What is your problem? It's not all about you. By the way, my mother-in-law was a postpartum nurse for 35 years when we delivered our first child. And that's what I heard from her. You're kidding me. Not her. And she popped out five kids of her own, of course, without as much even as the baby blues. So she yeah. had zero compassion. She just thought I was spoiled. And I, and I, yeah. when I was like on the floor, unable to, to, to function. So anyway, move, moving ahead. Taking it in while you're talking, it's like it's the yeah. instinct for, you know, men to just say that, like, Hey, yeah. are you sad? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that people don't realize that that could really sting someone who's going through there. So well said. Yes. A lot know? of shame oh, there. God. Another thing you don't mm-hmm. want to say to a, an anxious, remember postpartum mm-hmm. depression could look more like anxiety. Um, so do not tell her to just relax. It's like you stabbed me with little. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Didn't mean to do that. But... <laughs> I could almost see someone, yeah. even yeah. myself, accidentally saying something like that. Okay, right. don't relax. Oh, my God. Right. But again, yeah. I'm not saying yeah. the, the men are bad, right? Or, <laughs> yeah. or bad husbands or stupid. Or, I'm not saying yeah. any of that. Right. You ask me what you don't want to no, say. Keep on going. Keep on going. These are good ones. These are good ones. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So listen, listen, I yeah. want your I want your listeners and yourself mm-hmm. apparently yeah. not to feel badly if you've said any of these things. Yeah, yeah. Um j- you're just learning. Look, we can only do as much as we know. Yeah. And now you know more, which is great. Totally. Right? Yes, no, 100%. <laughs> okay. So w- w- the kinds of things you do want to say okay. is um you know, honey, baby's doing fine. Uh but I'm I'm concerned about you. You you deserve to be happy. Let's find some good help for you because I know the the this can happen to the best of mothers, the most the smartest, the most loving. Let's get you some real help mm-hmm. uh, so that you can enjoy. I love it. Yeah. The other thing that to 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 give to um, women who you might think are going through it is yeah. is to say we we will get through this together because. Depression is, uh, in general, we tend to feel very isolated and alone. Even if we're surrounded by people who care, it's a very isolating experience. So when a husband or a close loved one can say, we will get through this, there's such that that can make such a positive difference in her healing. And you know what? I'm going to actually surprise you again because I'm all about surprises on the show. I actually, you know, told my listeners, I sent them a little message and said, hey, we're going to have a pro coming on talking about these very uh, important topics. And I have questions from my fans. Can I? Oh, okay. Can I give them to you? Of course you can. All right. I know, I know I'm catching you off guard, but I thought yeah. I never realized. I shouldn't say that. I have the best listeners, but they have awesome questions. So here's this one. I think this person had either postpartum depression or anxiety in the past. So the question is, will I get postpartum depression or psychosis again? So is there a chance they can get it again if it happens once? Ah, uh, okay. So I'll give you the bad news and I'll give you the great news. Okay. Uh, bad, <laughs> the, the, the reality is once you have had a postpartum 
uh, mood or anxiety disorder, and you mentioned uh, at least a couple in there, yeah, um, you are very high risk, about an 80% risk to have it again. However, if That's you serious. have a solid strategy, to, you can help to sometimes prevent it entirely, at least minimize the severity. So again, I'm all about prevention. So, you know, when, when I'm contacted by somebody mm -hmm. who has had a postpartum depression or uh, um, anxiety, OCD, bipolar, you know, wh whatever before, I'll say, okay, let's get this together. We'll talk about a sleep plan. We'll talk about nutrition. We'll talk about breathing exercise. We can talk. We get a very workable, not overwhelming, individualized strategy so that, again, we can at least minimize it and, and often avoid it entirely. I love that. I love the great part of that answer at the end. All right. So this is a, this is a real practical one. So my listener wants to know, can I get extra time off of work if I'm still trying to recover from postpartum depression when my maternity, maternity leave ends? Can you answer that one? <gasps> oh, my goodness. Um, okay. Let me try to put this in a nutshell. It's a great question. I love your listeners, too, by the way, just from their questions. Um uh, often you can. It mm -hmm. can be uh, considered a medical necessity. Sometimes you need a mental health professional to back up what the MD is saying to uh, the insurance. It depends on your insurance also. Yeah. It depends on, on your state, you know, literally where you are. Uh, in the world, uh, geographically, and 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 the kinds of laws and all of that, but yes, the short answer is uh, most often yes, you can with the proper medical and mental health backup. Oh, oh, that's good, good positive answer. I like this one too. This is good. Can you breastfeed during postpartum depression? Should you? Do I need to quit? Sounds like a personal question. I would first find out. If you want to be breastfeeding or you feel pressured to breastfeed, uh, mm -hmm. sometimes there's an expectation that that's the only way you can be a good mother. So this is sort of a side comment, but mm -hmm. I would want to find out what your feelings are about breastfeeding. If you're asking if depression can cross through to the baby through the milk, the answer is absolutely not. Uh, the nutrition does not change whatsoever. And also, if you're asking if one can be on a medication such as an antidepressant while you're breastfeeding, yeah. again, I don't give medical advice. I'm a PhD, not an MD, but mm. I write books on this stuff. I like to, I've got to know. <laughs> I've got to know. I have yet to hear of somebody needing to wean off their antidepressant because they're breastfeeding. So the answer is you don't have to. It's not necessarily going to help you recover faster. That's another myth. Okay. Um, uh, and also when you do wean off eventually, since you are high risk, you want to do that. Wean your body very, very slowly. So uh, because often it can exacerbate depression if you wean too quickly. I'm giving you way, probably more information than you were asking, but you're, it was a wonderful questions you're asking. Thank no you. way. I, that was one of your, my, my favorite answers from you because it's funny, you know, you said, you know, because I'm a doctor, I immediately interpret that question as if you're on a select serotonin reuptake inhibitor or a drug, and you threw that two cents in like, hey, Raj, maybe the, the patient was just thinking, can depression go through the breast milk? I didn't even mm -hmm. think about that. Mm -hmm. And it, it, this is great. That was a wonderful answer. I think I'm going to stump you on this one. This is a good one. <laughs> can you get 
postpartum depression or anxiety after adopting a baby or child or after a miscarriage? So it's a multiple part answer or question. And guess what? You did not stump me. Are you uh, sure? I, I am. Okay. Let's do the miscarriage one first. All the body knows is that the pregnancy ended. So whether it ends in a live birth or whether it was ended on purpose or it ended in, in miscarriage, the chemistry can do the same thing in the brain, in the endocrine system. So the answer is yes. And often wow. therapists, you know, when I, when I'm, when I'm speaking to therapists, I'll say, you know, <laughs> you pay attention to, you know, you, we go directly into you know, miscarriage. Oh, she must be grieving. Okay. And they go right to the grief stuff. Take a look at the biochemistry. Yeah. Don't miss, right. She might not be grieving. Yeah. Sometimes maybe uh, it wasn't a miscarriage. Sometimes when, when it isn't, uh, she ends it on purpose. Yeah. Right. There's a termination. Yeah. You had to medically or whatever. Um, and it's a it's a biochemical thing, not so much an emotional thing. So uh okay, so that's well one. So the answer well is yes for that, yeah. certainly. The other um you asked about adoption. Exactly. Yes, adoptive uh, parents can again not due to the reproductive hormones, like okay. it wouldn't be for 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 dads, yeah. uh, but sleep deprivation. <laughs> there it is again. Yeah. Also, these these folks sometimes can be launched into parenthood literally overnight or within two days. Yeah, right. There are huge factors that go into their uh, their stress. Uh, sometimes they're also taking hormones to to help yeah. them lack to you know. But but yes, caretakers in general. They are at about the same rate. The adoptive uh, parents are about the same rate, about 10% as dads. The, la the last statistic I, I saw, an adoptive mom is about a 10%. And again, does it depend on her personal history and even family history of depression? Yes, she's vulnerable if there's a history there. So I want to be nosy. I know you do private practice. So do you actually have parents who just adopted a child or had a you know, a miscarriage or something similar to that and are, are yes. treating the, wow. Oh, yes. And they think they're going crazy. I mean, you know, they think, oh my goodness, we've been, yeah. we put all our life savings into, into, you know, bringing this child into our yeah. life. What the heck is wrong? Oh, also folks who have, um, who've had fertility issues, speaking of putting all your life savings, <laughs> well they seen. are very, they're very high risk. Oh yeah. my God. We're going to take a medical turn here. Do I need to take medication to be treated for postpartum depression or anxiety? No, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily. It, okay. Sometimes just with a solid strategy, a very practical plan of, again, of sleep, mm -hmm. exercise, nutrition, emotional support, physical support, so you can recharge right? Somebody yeah. you can lean on, somebody you can talk to, somebody to get you, okay, um, some good therapy. Uh, often medication isn't needed. I'm telling you the best doctors who I've worked with over yeah. the decades that I've been doing this work, they will say to their patients, I'm willing to prescribe you an antidepressant here, even here's the prescription. You don't even necessarily have to take it. First, get a complete assessment by Dr. Shosh or somebody I've trained, I've trained many, many people over the years. And you, again, you maybe just with the, the strategy of wellness, you won't even need the antidepressant. If you do, thank goodness they're there. 
You know, so I certainly I have it. no bias against uh, antidepressants when it's needed. They're godsends. But I can tell you that about 75% of my clientele do not need them. And you know what? And my wife, who's actually a doctor, she's a rheumatologist. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. She, one of her many amazing phrases I just kind of borrow and copy is that she truly feels in that for most patients that people don't want to be on lifelong meds, you right. know, and it's our job, you know, as doctors to try to limit, if not necessary to, to start medication. So I'm glad we're on the. the no, that's terrific. Now. now you said lifelong. I want your listeners to know that these are acute illnesses, not chronic. Mm-hmm. So, so they, and, and they are 100% treatable. Of course, if somebody has had a depression all their life and then they have a baby. You know, it's not that the depression is suddenly magically going to disappear, yeah. but the, the bout of postpartum depression will go away. So for all yeah. of those who have never been on medication before, but they need it to recover from this acute illness, the the thought is completely that they will not need to take it forever. It's not like on a medication, always on that medication. No, it helps you get through the just what you need to get through with the acute illness. And then you wean off at the proper time. Oh, it's positive, positive. So I have a couple of closing questions. So I want to talk about you and some some goals and for your future. But I just wanted to comment. I do love the, the titles of many of your your books and things that you do. I love Dark Side of the Full Moon, a little Pink Floyd there. And I love Pregnant on Prozac. You just have (laughs) nice titles for everything, you know? Uh So well chosen. So tell me, what are your goals for the future? What are you focusing on? You've done so much already. What's the next step? I can't wait to get back to radio myself. I have been out of production for a few years, so you'll be a guest on my show one day soon. Um, (laughs) If you grace me with that, that would be wonderful. Um, I do have another book in mind, but what I'm doing more than anything now, uh, other than training, I I do a lot of training of doulas, uh, midwives, and other uh, newborn care professionals. So I'm creating courses for folks that they can go through at their own time, just, just for my website. Yeah. So uh, creating the online courses, th- I'm writing notes on the, my next book <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, getting that podcast started. This kind of leads into my last question because I'm sure there's not enough time in the world to answer all these amazing questions. So someone's going to want to ask you more questions or learn more about you or it's going through this and getting some great advice from you. So how does one learn more about you? Where can they, where can they go? Oh, thank you. Uh, DrShosh.com, D-R-S-H-O-S-H.com. They can see a new parent quiz. They can uh, take, they can see a number of resources right there on the site. There's a book I put together, a very short book of one stories of 100% recovery. So if anybody is suffering out there or they know somebody who is, it's a very uplifting, right? Women are telling their stories. These are mostly clients of mine. So anyway, there's a, many resources on drshosh.com. Well, you know, Dr. Shosh, I'm going to say that, you know, your positive attitude, your enthusiasm screams through this podcast. When I first met you, you were always just excited and uplifting and just makes me feel happy I do what I do. So thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, this was really my pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Rush. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this. I know I learned quite a bit. And hey, stay tuned for our next episode coming in a couple weeks. And everyone, take care and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. 
Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.